Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, Pastor Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church. Welcome to this session that we call Grow. I believe that one of the significant things that God wants to do in every believer's life is to bring growth to them. By that, I don't just mean growth in terms of knowledge. I mean growth in terms of how do I walk with God? How do I learn how to grow in character? How do I learn how to grow in strength? How do I learn to develop the gifts of God that are within my life? And here at Metro, your growth is very, very important to us. Hence this session, once every month, where we zero in on growth. And so I really do pray that this session will not only inspire you and inform you, but I pray it'll challenge you in your life to be hungry enough to say, God, I'm going to go after more of you and more of what you have for me in my life. In just a few minutes, we'll get into this and we're going to talk about how to develop a spirit of faith in your life. Lots of people have faith for a moment. They have a moment where they believe God. They have a moment where they, I guess, feel like their prayer touches the heart of God and they get an answer. But I don't want to live the kind of life that's that random. I want to live a life where there is a spirit of faith, a a capacity, if you like, to believe God at any moment, at any time, in any season and in every circumstance. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And I pray it'll help you. I really do. Um, Just before we get into that, can I just take a moment to say thank you to everyone who continues to sow faithfully and generously into the work of the Kingdom of God. I don't know anything greater that we get to do than to worship God, giving Him our praise and our love, but also to give Him out of our substance. You know, it'd be a weird kind of a family, wouldn't it, where, you know, the dad told the kids all the time how proud he was of them, but never provided for them. And in exactly the same way, I want to do more than just tell my Heavenly Father how much I love Him. I want to be involved in what matters most to Him, which is the salvation of people's lives. For me, I guess every week, one of the most special moments is when I get told how many yes texts have come in. Every time I do, there's a moment where I pause and remember that each one of those is somebody who took that moment in their life to stop and say, God, I'm grateful for what you did for me on the cross of Calvary. And I want to say my yes to you. Our commitment to them is to continue to help them and to encourage them. Your giving makes all that possible. Even this broadcast that you're getting right now, I don't know if it's ever occurred to you how much all of this took to be able to put together, not just in terms of the machinery involved, the tech, but in terms of people's time, etc. and everything else. So I want to pray over your giving. I believe if it's significant to you, it will be significant to God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for the incredible ways you bless us, the myriad ways, Lord, that you bring blessing to us almost every day of our life. We will see your hand at work in small ways and in great. So Father, I pray for every person that's sowing, Lord, whether it's done electronically as it will be for most, Lord, or whether they're actually bringing their cash into a service. God, however it is that we bring it, it's going to you. And we are grateful. I pray, Lord, that you will bless every home, every life, every giver. Bless their business, Lord, whether they own it or serve in it, in Jesus' name. And now, Father, help us when we are about to delve into your word. Would you give us an understanding that goes beyond simply knowing about you, knowing about your word? 
Lord, give us an understanding so that our heart can grasp some of the deep truths of the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, don't forget, by the way, because this is being filmed in early November and Christmas is just around the corner, in case you haven't noticed. Uh, some of my neighbours have already got their Christmas lights up, etc., and stuff like that. Christmas is such a big deal here at Metro. Right through the month of December, there are Christmas events designed for you to be able to bring your friends, your family, your neighbours to. I know the first Sunday of December in the morning service, there's a fantastic uh, children's presentation. I know the next Sunday, not only in the morning, but in the night as well, we've got a Christmas worship. This is the first for us, taking the night to say, God, we want to worship you around that whole theme of Christmas. It's going to be great. Then, of course, Christmas Eve, uh, our great service that everyone loves, and then Christmas morning as well. Anyway, just go to the website. You'll get all the detail about that. But let's get into the Word of God together. I spoke on Sunday, the 16th of October and the 23rd as well, two Sundays on the Spirit of Faith in our series called The Spirit of the Book. I'd encourage you to go back. They're all there on our YouTube channel. You can go back and let them speak to your heart again. But I want to take time in this session that we call Grow to help you. And by that, I mean help all of us. You know, I am still growing as a Christian and I'm certainly still growing in my faith. I have not arrived. I don't feel like I've got it all nailed. I might understand some things better than I used to, but I'm still growing in that. And I trust that a spirit of faith is increasing around my life. Jesus walked in the perfection of that. The rest of us are still learning and growing. And Paul writes to the Thessalonian church in 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, and he says this, We are bound to thank God for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. In other words, one of the things Paul wants to celebrate about this church is not just that they meet together or that they are generous or that they love one another, that their pastoral care is great. He says, I want to celebrate the fact it's obvious to me as someone who's intimately involved with your church that I can see your faith is growing. You're getting stronger, becoming more resilient, less likely to collapse under the weight of pressure, of circumstance. And I just think what a fabulous thing that is. And I know that if, uh, no matter how small my faith may be, or no matter how great it is, I know that no matter how weak it is or how strong it is, I know it can always grow. And so, I don't know about you, but even when I'm speaking about this, something about it excites me because I go, God, my faith can get bigger. Sometimes we just get so problem oriented and we see the size of the obstacles that come our way. And it's easy to get your focus on the size of the giant rather than the size of your faith. Think about David as he faced Goliath. He told King Saul, he said, don't worry, King. He said, I've faced a lion and I've faced a bear. I'm ready now to face a giant. Think about that. He had faith for something, you know, because even though the lion and the bear, uh, you know, were there, they required arm-to-arm, face-to-face combat to be defeated. He wasn't facing, none of them could throw a spear at him like Goliath could. And so this guy's taking it up a notch in his life. And I don't know what you're facing. At the end of this, I'm going to pray for you that your faith will be greater than whatever it is you're facing, whether that's in your marriage or in your family life, in your business life, whether that's in your health, 
no matter what area. Maybe it's just something in your mind or your emotions and you're facing this thing going, God, that looks so big. Well, I'm praying that your faith will get larger than your problems in Jesus' name, all right? Now, I think when it comes to faith, there are two mistakes that I've watched Christians make over the years. One is this, that they reduce faith to the mechanics of it. It's all like, it's almost as though you can make faith a formula and out of that formula, if you just do this, God has to do this. And somehow or other, losing the sense of walking with God and now God becomes my delivery guy. He's the guy that if I press the right buttons and if I scan the right QR code spiritually, God delivers to me the thing that I need. And I think that's such a mistake, A, because I'm losing the intimacy and the joy of walking with the Holy Spirit. And secondly, because it really doesn't work like that uh, any more than simply understanding Bernoulli's principle about how a plane rises and the principle of lift will somehow rather you know, automatically mean you can fly. Of course not. There's a lot more to it than that. And uh, it's not just about the mechanics. I believe that there are some things we can learn. I believe there are some habits I can build. I believe there are some things that I can do that will definitely make my life more amenable, if you want to put it that way, more open to faith. As I've often said to people, you know, you've got to give God a landing strip where he can land this plane called faith in your life. And too many people, well, we'll come to it in a minute, but too many people have built habits that almost guarantee that they are resistant to faith. They've got enough of Jesus to make them aware of him and love him, but they've been inoculated against the great things that God wants to do in their life. And so for them, faith becomes something that just doesn't work. I think the second mistake we can make is that we can make the will of God and we can make His promises so mystical in our life that all of our life and our language then becomes about the sovereignty of God. As though somehow or other God is random. You know, that His acts are random acts of kindness. And yet the Bible doesn't tell us that kind of thinking at all in our life. Listen to these verses out of 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says this, watch it. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. Listen to that again. This is the confidence we have in Him. This is not a hope so, a maybe, not well if you've been really good enough. This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we have the petitions that we've asked of him. In other words, here is God saying right here, if you're asking according to my will, and this is the revealed will of God, if I'm asking according to his will, I can be confident that he's hearing me. And I can be confident that if he's hearing me, he's going to answer my prayer. That's faith. Never put your faith into the maybe basket. Put it into the confidence basket. Put your faith into the place where you say, God, I'm going to walk with you. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 is probably the most famous chapter when it comes to faith in all of the Bible. And I'm not going to read you the whole chapter as much as I'd love to, by the way. I'll just read you just a few verses from verse 33 through to 35. Listen to this. And it's talking about people who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, 
stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the foreigners, and women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Think about it a minute. Your faith is meant to work in this world. Oh, I really pray that this will get a hold of your life and challenge you. Too many people put faith only in the, you know, what I do in church on a Sunday basket. But this Bible tells me those verses there that faith operates in every arena of life. People that were weak became strong. People that were lacking in courage became valiant. The word just simply means courageous. People who needed to see their families really walk with God. It says faith worked righteousness. They subdued kingdoms. How many things are there in our world right now where Christians are up in arms and people are protesting and all kinds of stuff's happening. But the Bible tells us that there are principalities and powers in heavenly places and that it might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That's Hebrews, sorry, that's Ephesians 3 and verse 10. And so I know that there's work for your faith to be done. I know that your believing can actually have an effect. You go, but Jeff, I'm not a pastor. I go, well, there's nothing in those verses that says, by the way, this is only for pastors or for Christian leaders or the fivefold ministry or anybody else. It's for every believer. These things were done by people that simply understood and were touched by God and the spirit of faith came upon their life. Faith is not a mystical thing. Faith is not an esoteric mind thing. It's not some kind of a, you know, positive mental attitude alone or just an outlook or I'm an optimist or whatever. I hope you are, by the way. But that's not the spirit of faith we're talking about. Look, let me give you an insight into this because Hebrews chapter 11, same chapter, but verse one says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, in the spiritual realm, I can't go and like, here's a glass of water. Well, I can't go and pick up a glass or a handful of faith but that doesn't make it less than real any more than the electricity that's powering everything here. I can't pick it up either, but it's very real and I see its effect. And in the same way, in the realm of the spirit, faith is a real thing. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. In other words, in the court of heaven, in the unseen realms, faith can be admitted as proof. That's what evidence is. Faith can be admitted as proof. And so right throughout the Bible, faith is never portrayed as being just like a mental ascent program. Some kind of a thing of like, well, yes, I know God's there. and I know God's good. And well, I'm just hoping. No, faith is always portrayed as being something that has real and genuine substance to it in our life. Think about the times where Jesus spoke to people and said it was their faith that had made the difference. To the woman who had the issue of blood in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, Jesus said to her, go your way, your faith has made you whole. The One of the Samaritan lepers, uh, sorry, one of the 10 lepers who happened to be a Samaritan who came back to Jesus. And Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you whole. 
to the woman who had the, uh, the, the tormented daughter. He said, go your way. Your faith is what the answer for her. And so Jesus was saying to the, He didn't say my faith, my gift, my Messiahship. He said to them, your faith has done this. So I pray that I'll live the kind of life where there is evidence of my faith, not just evidence of my niceness and my goodness. I pray that there's evidence that Jeff believed God. I pray that there's evidence of miracles where people have to look back and go, God obviously answered that prayer. God was at work in there in your life. So faith can act in my world and in my family and in my business, in my body, in my mind, in my health. There is in any arena where faith can't have an effect in your life and mine. Now, one of the greatest examples of faith in the entire Bible is the man that is actually referred to in Scripture, by the way, as the father of all them that believe. This man, Abram, if you go back to Genesis 12 and then chart his life through to Genesis 17, I think it's about verse 5 that says, And Abram or Abraham believed God. And this man, even though he's 99 and his wife is 89, and even though he's long past and she's long past the ability to bear children, but it says Abram believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And one year later, there they are holding their beautiful child that was born to them as an answer to prayer. No wonder this man is called a father of faith, a champion of believing in his life, a 24-year journey. Because folks, sometimes, you know, it's not all overnight and it's not just one moment on an altar call and it's not just one prayer. Sometimes there is a, just the same way as there is a, a, a gestation period for the, to bring to the birth of a child, nine months. And it's sometimes it takes that long and there's the movement and there's the growth and there's the change. Sometimes in your life, it's going to take you a while to get to be a person of faith. Please don't give up. Please don't chuck it in because you encounter obstacles or contradictions to your faith. You're praying for this and that happens instead. Um, that may be the way life will go for a bit. Stay on the path of going, God, I want to build a spirit of faith in my life. Now, I'm going to take some things over this session and the next one because it's going to take two sessions at least for me to get through this on how to build a spirit of faith. And I'm going to take them out of this passage in Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through to 24. So follow along with me. The text will be up there on the screen for you. Let me read this to you. Speaking about Abraham, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In other words, that's a quote. He's saying, this is what was said. This is what was written down. In the presence of him, capital H, it's God, whom he, Abraham, believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they already were, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he did become the father of many nations, according to what had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. That again, another quote and being not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God 
and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed or accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us. In other words, this is not just a story about one man and a miracle. It's a story about all of us, all right? And it shall be imputed to us who believe that he also raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. So let me talk to you about how do I begin to build a spirit of faith in my life? Let me give you a couple of things, uh, just two in this session, out of this story and out of this passage that we read here. Number one, the first thing, if you want to build a spirit of faith in your life, you need to devour, you need to imbibe, you need to bring into your life the Word of God. Here, let, let me just illustrate it for you. You know, I had breakfast this morning. But you know, all the breakfast that I eat does me no good until my body absorbs it. I don't get energy, any energy just because I put it in my mouth. I get energy because my body starts to absorb it and all the digestive processes and all the blood vessels and all the other stuff that happens there, they all take place. And so my body takes what I put in and turns it into energy in exactly the same way. Too many Christians can just put a Bible verse into their mind, but they never let it sink into their heart and they never digest it. It never becomes energy and life to them. It just becomes another Bible verse, you know, and let, let's be honest, there are thousands and millions really of Bibles sitting on millions of shelves in millions of homes around the world. But if you don't ever allow the Word of God to speak into you, faith always stands upon the Word of God. Faith responds to a revealed promise in the Word of God. Faith is not just what Jeff wants, what I wish would happen. It hangs on a promise of God. If you've never read it, you'll never know it. If you never know it, you'll never absorb it. I think one of the saddest things I've ever seen is somebody who never gives a moment's thought much to God or to His Word until they hit a massive crisis. The doctor says, I'm sorry, we don't know, have any more answers for you. Or the bank manager says, I'm sorry, but you know, you've defaulted on your loan. And then all of a sudden that person runs for scrambling to try and find a promise out of the Word of God, 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 God. Why don't you build a spirit of faith so that if and when a crisis comes in your life or some difficulty arises, you've already been building this inside of you. You don't have to all of a sudden try and find God. You've allowed Him to build that in your life. So become a person. I really do advocate read the Bible every day. And don't worry about the bits that maybe you might go, um, I don't know what that means. I find my problem is never how much of the Bible I don't understand. It's all the bits I do understand. And there's plenty of those. I understand far more uh, than I'm ever going to be able to put into practice, I'm sure. The promises of God. So when I read the Gospels and I see how the Bible says in Acts 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all of that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. That's Acts 10.38. When I read that, I go, wow. So in other words, God wants to heal my body. I can believe for that. Now, I remember the first time I ever decided I was going to believe I was sick with something. And to be really honest, I, I, I think I, I prayed, but I, I was half hoping. I wasn't sure. But now over the years that have passed, 
I've seen God do so many amazing miracles in people's lives, so many miracles of healing, that if you were to say to me, Jeff, do you believe that healing is for today? I go, without a doubt. If you were to say to me, do you believe God heals the sick? I go, without any doubt. I've seen far too many times that it's happened. You go, but Jeff, surely there's been people that weren't healed. I go, yeah, you're right. My faith still needs to grow. I would not be so bold as to tell you that every person I've ever prayed for has gotten healed, but I can tell you there's many, many, many that have. And I pray that my faith will keep on growing. Maybe one day I'll get there and say, you know, everybody I pray for, the answer comes. But until then, I'm going to keep pursuing a spirit of faith in my life and not not allow a, a setback or a disappointment to totally derail me. You know, some people hit a, a, a pothole on the road and they pull over and never go any further on the journey. Really? What a tragedy that is. You know, I've hit a lot of potholes and a few speed bumps here and there, had a couple of detours, but thank God I've always found some way or other by the grace of God that He's got me back on the path. There's been a few times I've, as we say in Australia, spat the dummy, you know, had a bit of a hissy fit told God I wasn't going to do this or whatever anymore. And uh, you'd be surprised. I've done a few of those things over the time. But you know, by the grace of God, He brings you back on the journey. I've many times felt like, you know, when I've told God what I was tired of or exasperated about, almost as though the Holy Spirit just stood there tapping His foot and just quietly saying, when you're ready, we can get up and go again. And I thank God for His grace like that. I thank God that whilst I'm not finished yet, I'm certainly not where I used to be either. I thank God that He's built something in my life. So devour the Word of God. Read the Word of God. You don't have to spend four hours every day. Just read a couple of chapters. You know, I think this morning I read three chapters. But, you know, just doing that, I will read through the entire Bible in one year. been doing it for over a decade now. And it's been a marvellous blessing to my life. And it's amazing how... You know, I might be walking through the bush, you know, walking the dog, thinking, praying, whatever. And a scripture that I've read days ago will come into my mind. But I thank God I took the time to read it so that I could absorb it so that when I needed it, it could come out, right? So Abraham had a promise. He never just said, God, you know, I'm I'm a married man. I really want a kid. And hello, you know, I think that'd be a good idea. But God had spoken to him. Lay a hold of the things God has spoken to you in your life. Here's number two. Second thing out of this, if you want to build a spirit of faith, uh, stands out so strongly to me is the power of our words. Look at what it says in verse 17 again. It says that God calls the things that be not as though they already were. In other words, God speaks His Word about things and He speaks them into existence. In Genesis, and God said, let there be light. He never got together with His hands and manufactured light and the earth and the sky. He did it by speaking it. It's a powerful thing. We call this the Word of God. It's not just called the book. It's called the Word of God. The Message Bible puts Romans 4.17 in this way. It says, It says, he was first named father, then he became a father. He was first named father. Get this. God spoke about him. He said, you're a father, even though he had no offspring. You are a father. And God was telling this man, 
powerfully about the impact of his words. He changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations, even though he hasn't got any children. Changed Sarah's name from Sarai, which means princess, to Sarah, which means mother. And so he was getting this man to start speaking differently about his circumstances and his life. Most of us, we grow up in a world that says, you know, be real, tell it like it is. And so we go about and if we're feeling bad, we say, oh, I feel lousy today. People will say things, oh, that thing's killing me. Or, you know, I'm as broke as, or whatever. And we get used to declaring about our life, mostly the way we feel and the way things look. And then God turns up and says, I want you to start speaking about your life like I do. God calls the things that be not as though they were. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says that that He has made us righteousness. Think about that. He calls you righteous even though you are still flawed, even though you still fail, even though you still make mistakes. He says, I'm calling you righteous. You'll grow into whatever I call you. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of, of the tongue. Now, I don't need to explain that to many of you here who grew up with a, a father or a mother or a teacher or somebody in your life who spoke negative about you. You're an idiot. You'll never amount to anything. And the Bible tells us twice in the book of Proverbs that the words of a talebearer are like wounds that go deep into the innermost part of the belly. In other words, words that are spoken have got great power in your life. Some of you that are a part of this, you were told you were stupid. You were told you, you, were, you haven't got the brains. You'll never amount to anything. And you have lived up, listen to me, you have lived up to the words declared over you. Why don't you decide to start declaring something different about your life that lines up with the Word of God and not with what mum said, dad said, grandma said, granddad said, the teacher in primary school said, your mates in the schoolyard, your boss at work in your review or whatever else, whoever else said that stuff about you. How about you start living up to that instead of going around going, I'm so fearful. You know, I've had it all my life. I've always had a temper. My mum had red hair. You know, as though that somehow rather means it's automatic. Well, I can't help it. It's my genetic makeup. Well, I was born like this. Well, if you got born again, maybe it's a good idea to start changing the language that you speak towards the language of the Spirit and the Kingdom. Mark 11 verse 23, Jesus said, For assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things that he or she says will come to pass. Listen to it. They will have whatever they say. Now, I didn't say that you can just name it and claim it, you know, blab it and grab it, you know, declare it and wear it as though somehow or other there's magic in the words. But I tell you, there is a powerful force when a spirit of faith coupled with the words of your mouth, when you put those two things together and they line up, that becomes something powerful. That's what Jesus, Jesus said this, whoever will say unto this mountain, what mountain is facing you right now? A mountain of impossibility and difficulty. Jesus said, speak to the mountain, begin to declare something. But some people just look at this, what they declare about their mountain. Oh God, it's been there forever. It's so big. 
I've heard so many people, they start their prayers off telling God how big the problem is. Oh God, you know how long this has been there and how long I've had it. And oh God, and oh God, it's so big. And oh God, I've tried so many times and I've prayed. Oh God. And you kind of go, are you trying to talk God out of an answer? Because you're definitely talking yourself out of one. That's why some people, when they pray, leave more depressed than when they went in. Are you with me? Of course you are. Numbers chapter 13, verse 31, tells us about the 12 spies that went into the land and 10 of them came back and this is what they said. But the men who had gone up with him, with Caleb, said, we're not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than us. Now they'd never arm wrestled the one. They'd never engaged in battle with one, but they had were declaring we can't. And they gave the children of Israel, look at what God says, a bad report of the land which they'd spied out, saying this, that the land through which we've gone as, as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in them, men of great stature, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. We were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. And yet they'd never run a survey. They'd never gone to any of the people of the land and said, what do you think about us? Because if they had, they would have discovered that the people there were in awe of them. But their own words defeated them. What are your language habits like? Seriously, what are your language habits like? Are you full of I can't? I always. I'm afraid. I'm broke. I'm sick. I'm depressed. I can't afford it. Is that the language habits that you've built up over years? And maybe you maybe you grew up in a home where that was the kind of language. Maybe mum or dad or whoever. All they ever spoke about was about how big the problems were. You know, looking at the news, oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, God, what hope is there? You know, I, I know people, actually, I know people who that's the running commentary of their life. They sit and watch the news only to, only to be assured of how miserable everything is. And I look at them and I go, really? I, I'm just not wanting to have those kind of inputs into my life without some filter that lines up the Word of God with the way I feel and my perspective. What are the kind of language habits that you've got? Because Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 19, speaking about these people in Numbers 13, says this. It's exactly a commentary on Numbers 13. Hebrews 3 says this, So then we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. I can still remember when that verse so powerfully spoke to me. And I remember realizing that these people had spent their entire journey to go to the promised land. This was every dream they had. This is what they wanted. They finally get to the edge of it. And it's not that they wouldn't go in, that they didn't want to, but they couldn't. Why? Because they on every stop and at every obstacle, they declared how hopeless it was. They said, why has God brought us out here into this you know, God-forsaken land that we might die by the sword, that our children would perish? In other words, every time they encountered a small problem, they used the language of negativity and fear. They used that language. That was the habit they built. And so when they finally came to the thing that they wanted most, they built such a strong habit, they couldn't break it. It's a powerful thing. The words that you speak in your life are either building your faith or they are destroying your faith. Build habits 
of speaking that make believing His Word easier, not harder. Now again, hear me right here. I'm not living in fear of a negative word being spoken. It's not that somehow or other I've forsaken all my destiny if I have a moment's lapse and kind of give in to my emotion for the moment. But we're talking here about building a spirit that is an inner life that believes. Now, faith is not denial. It's not pretending. Planes don't fly because they deny gravity. A plane doesn't fly by going, there's no gravity, folks. It's okay. We're going to get up there. That's not how a plane lifts. A plane lifts by acknowledging the force of gravity, but engaging with a higher principle. It's called Bernoulli's principle, so they tell me. And Bernoulli's principle talks about the principle of lift and you engage with a higher principle. And so you can lift up this massive many ton machine and you can fly and soar and go on the journey you want to go on because you've engaged a higher principle. Well, I think faith is exactly the same. Faith doesn't work by saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. Faith acknowledges, listen, if you're sick, you're sick. huh? But however, the Word of God, think about Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. He himself carried our infirmities in his body on the tree. What about 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24? That we've returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our souls by whose stripes you were healed. What about Mark's gospel, chapter 16? They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What about that? I'm not denying sickness. What I'm doing is I'm engaging a higher principle. You go, well, Jeff, when it comes to my finance, what about Philippians 4? My God shall supply all your need, verse 19 says, according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men pour into your life. In other words, maybe I've got a financial need right now and some people will give in obedience, but they never give with faith. That's why in Metro Church, every time we have an offering, no matter what it is, we pray over it because we don't want to just be givers and be generous. We want to attach believing to our generosity. God, you said, if I give, if I sow, uh, that you'll bring blessing around about my life in Jesus' name. And out of the revelation of that, and there's, there's a blessing that comes with that and it's incredibly powerful. So faith doesn't work by denying the problem. It works by engaging a higher truth of the promises of God's Word for your life. I would encourage you, go on the journey of number one, imbibing the Word of God. Read it. Let it be more than you heard a sermon on Sunday somewhere. You know, I got online or I've got a plaque somewhere up in the house that says, oh, I'm with you always or whatever. But for you, God, I'm going to read your word and then I'm going to meditate on. Meditate doesn't mean empty your mind in the scriptures, in the Bible. Meditate is the exact opposite. It's filling your mind. So many of us are filling our mind with so much stuff. You know, we know all that's happening in the economy. We know everything that's happening politically. We know all the social stuff that's going on around the world. And we have zero idea what this Bible says about your life and mine. And yet this is God's roadmap for you. So put it in there, build it into your life. And then secondly, start, if you want to build a spirit of faith, to change the language of your life. For some of us, that I know for me, it was a bit weird, like saying, you know, I'm anointed of God. I felt anything but anointed. I just felt plain nervous. You know, I felt shy or I felt inferior, all those kind of things. I felt fearful. I've had all those things. But the Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. And so I began to declare I'm strong in Jesus' name. 
I am called of God. His anointing is on my life. The power of God is with me every moment of every day. And after a while, you begin to declare that. And one day it's almost like something clicks. And all of a sudden you go from a person who knows about it to a person who knows that they know, that they know that that's truth for their life. And your life's different out of that. You walk out of that. I really pray because my goal has never been to get a, you know, a bunch of people who've got a Bible college degree or know enough about the Bible to defend a doctrine. But God put it there so that your life can become big and so that your life can become strong and so that when you pray, God hears and God answers and that when you act, something powerful happens in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, next time in Grow, uh, part two of this, It's going to be on another part of Romans chapter 4 and I really trust that it'll continue to help you. My advice to you honestly would be to watch or listen to this again and again until the penny starts to drop. You know, uh, the first time I started setting, as the scripture says, a watch at my mouth, being careful about what I said. My goodness, I was amazed how many times I said things like, oh, I'm afraid or I can't or I can't afford it. Or, um, no, I'm no good at that. Or, no, that wouldn't work. I was amazed how much of my language had been conditioned towards the negative and towards the problem. And it took me a fair while, to be honest. Well, I'm probably sure I still slip up occasionally in my life, but I don't do anything like I used to in that regard. Build the kind of habits that are going to make a spirit of faith more likely to live around about your life. Just before I go, There's a couple of things I want to say. Um, Number one is this. If you've got questions about this, or you go, I I don't understand that, why not shoot us an email? Info at metrochurch.org.au. It'll be up there on the screen for you. You can send us uh, a message. Just keep it brief, won't you? Uh, I'll do my best in the next session to try and answer any questions that come in or try and help you. There might be some things I don't know the answer to, but I'll do my best to give you an answer out of my life and experience, and more importantly, out of the Word of God. But before I go, there's one more thing I want to say, and that is that the beginning of a journey with God is always a beginning of faith. When I gave my life to Jesus, I was 19 years young. And if you would ask me, did you have any idea what it really meant for your life? I'd say, no, I, I just said yes to that moment. I said yes to, I want Jesus. I want Him to come into my life. I knew Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the verse that says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. You know, if someone knocks at the door of my house, this is what I do. I go up and open the door and say, If I know him, won't you come in? And what a beautiful thing and a beautiful picture that is of what it means to walk with Christ, that he's knocking at the door of my life. And I go up and I open the door and I say, Would you like to come in? He says, I'd love to. That's what Revelation 3.20 says. I come I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into you and I'll live with you. And I pray that if you've never said yes to Christ or if you did, but you never really went on with God, I pray you'll say yes to him again and allow Jesus to become everything he wants to be in your life. Don't live a miserable, skinny, wretched Christian life. Don't live the kind of life that's got enough of God in it to just get you to heaven, but doesn't really take you forward. Let God do something great with your life, would you? Let God do something powerful. I know he's got a great destiny for you. 
He's got a great plan. He says so for your life. There's no such thing as an insignificant Christian. There's no such thing as a wasted believer. We're all people that God wants to have in His world. He wants to move in us and through us for the sake of others. But it begins with you saying yes to Jesus. And a minute up on the screen will come for you. The yes text number with, if you're in Australia, 0488 826 392. If you'd like to get our help and encouragement via email, then it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. Use whichever one works best for you and for wherever you are. And after you send us your yes, just Y-E-S, after you send that to us the next day, we'll send you a scripture and a prayer. They're different every single day for 30 days. It's free, of course. It's us wanting to help you grow help you to know Christ. We'll send that to you every day. You'll get it every single morning or whatever time zone you're in. You'll get that and it'll help you start to walk with God in your life. So can I pray for you? And can I pray for every one of you that's been a part of this, that together all of us will go on the journey of going, God, would you build a spirit of faith in my life? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for every person that's a part of this service. Thank you for wherever they are right now. I don't know, but you do. I don't know their life, but you do. I don't know their highs and lows, but you do. I don't know their questions, but you do, and you have the answers. Lord, I first of all pray for people that right now in this place, they need to say yes to Jesus. They need to say, Lord, I'm coming to you. Lord, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Lord, I'm, I'm going to choose today to say yes to a walk with God. I'm going to choose to say yes to your salvation, your great salvation for my life. I choose to say yes to your forgiveness. I choose to say yes to your peace. I choose to say yes to your joy overflowing in my life. Lord, help those people, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, as they give you their yes, let it be a life-transforming moment that they'll only be able to describe as, I was born again. Father, I pray too for every person that's heard this message today and really says, oh, God, I, oh God, I want to be a person of faith. I don't want to be a person who's a, a person of maybe. I want to be a person of strength and a person of confidence and a person of knowing God. Father, I pray that you'll help each and every single one of them today. Help me, Lord, as we go on the journey with you, fill our life with your word. Let it light up to us, Lord. Let it be more than words on a page. Let it become life into our being. Father, let our words begin to echo your kind of words, words of faith, words not of fear, but words of confidence in you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, by the way, again, don't forget Christmas time is coming, I guess, for most of you that are a part of this. And uh, you're welcome at every event here at Metro, all those things right through the month of December. There's some fabulous opportunities to come worship with us, Bring your friends, they'll thank you for it. It's going to be absolutely awesome. God bless you. Hope I see you somewhere soon.